If you got your handout with you this morning, I encourage you to get it out and uh, we'll take some time and look at some things that we've been working through a series and I, I couldn't quite finish by Christmas Eve, so I decided to go with the final installment today because we've been looking at the uh, scriptural injunction, especially from the angels and especially at Christmas time, to just keep pelting the scenery with that two-word phrase, fear not. And I just thought that's a good phrase for us to focus our attention on, especially in a culture where, in an environment where our media is trying so often to promote fear because that really spikes their ratings. When people are fearful, their ratings go up and more advertisers come along. And so there's this uh, this incentive, this motivation to keep fear fomented. And uh, I know there's lots of things to fear in and of themselves, but there's also a lot that just gets generated and propagated. And um, so as we look at this two-word phrase, we're kind of into our last installment. You know, the angel came to Zechariah and said, fear not. The angel came to Joseph and said, fear not. The angel came to the shepherds, and he said, fear not. So that's a good lesson for us. Today, I put Mary at the end, even though she's not biblically in the, in the end, because of the fear that I want to speak about today. But I think we should start, like we've started the last couple, embedding that two-word phrase. You ready? Fear not. A little louder, could you? Fear not. Okay, one more time. Fear not. Yeah. If that's all you remember today, it's all you remember about this series, <laughs> that's good. That's really good. You know, today we're going to think like uh, Jeff got us started on, trust in the Lord. We're talking about trust versus fear today. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, and I put it this way, Submit to him. Mary is a prime example of what it means to trust in the Lord and to submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, what we're talking today about fear-wise is I think part of what Mary was facing wasn't just fear by seeing an angel. I mean, that's always the case. I think that's why the first words out of angels' mouths Almost every time a human being sees them is, don't be afraid, fear not. Now, there was something about the size, the fierceness, the warlike quality. Now, I don't know why we paint them as little bald-headed cherubs with little, you know, we, we paint them in such uh, unbiblical ways. They seem to be such beings that when viewed by human beings, an awestruck fear goes into them. So the first thing they want to do is quell that fear and say, don't fear, don't be afraid, fear not. But there's something else going on in Mary's mind, I think, as we saw with Joseph and the others, the shepherds. And, and I'm wanting you to think this today about fear of what God may be asking you to do. Fear of God's plan for your future. I mean, that's what she is confronted with. And when he says the phrase, fear not, there's a, there's a compelling interest 
in not fearing, but instead trusting in the Lord with all her heart. And she eventually submits to the Lord in that, in that way. What are some things that are common fears that Mary most likely was facing? What if you fear God getting involved? And you know that if God gets involved, it might be a little bit unknown. <laughs> you know, if God enters the equation, all bets are off. You've got your plan for the future. But when you get God involved, it may or may not be the way that you had it planned. It may or may not be very comfortable. You know, Jeff, what was it back in the 70s or something? They had this uh, song, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. You know, I'm afraid I don't have what it takes. And it was the idea, if, if I give God surrender to my life, he might call me to be a missionary to a foreign field, and that'd be a terrible thing. You know, please, God, don't send me to Africa. You, I'll do anything else. Because we're so into our comfort. We're so into, I plan my future based upon what's going to make me happy and what I want. So we fear God's plan because it might interrupt our plan, what we want, what we have to do. The Bible says we make our plans, but God directs our steps. We can make plans, but if we trust God, he will direct our path and, and lead us the way that he wants. One more thing. We're afraid if God gets involved, it might be overwhelming. I think sometimes we just think of our smallness, our insecurities, our inadequacies kind of take over. And, and, and we see God's bigness, his massive, his mighty. And we go, how am I going to fit into that? I think that's what Mary, at least in part, is facing here. You know, sometimes we treat God, you guys ever think about this? Sometimes we treat God like that friend that we, we kind of like him, but we don't want to hang around him too much. You know, I, I see people with God this way. You know, maybe you got a friend who he comes up every once in a while and you go, nah, I'm not going to take that. Uh, am I the only one who does that? Oh, I'm confessing here. No, no, no. Brian would never do that. Um, or maybe you'd see him and, and you'd, you'd say, I'm not ready for that conversation. And you go, and sometimes I see people acting that way to, to the Lord. They want the good stuff God's got. They want salvation. They want his, you know, some of his gifts. But I don't want to get too close because he might demand from me. His plan for me might not be my plan for me. And I want to go with my plan for me. That's where Mary was. Sometimes the unknown, the uncomfortable, and the overwhelming will cause us to not totally surrender. You know, the, um, the plan for all of us is that fear would overtake, would be overtaken by faith. Sometimes people think of fear as the opposite of faith. It could be that we're, we have faith, but we have faith in the wrong things. Maybe we're trusting in things that aren't uh, really healthy for us. What if, what if, what if? We have all these what ifs. What if the economy turns? Hmm. What if I get cancer? What if I get married to a jerk? 
What if I have kids with that jerk? And they remind me every day of that jerk. I mean, this is the kind of things that we <laughs> have the what ifs, you know? Um, my favorite phrase, the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Yeah, that's, it's the opposite in a way of fear. Faith is the opposite of love, but it's making sure you trust in God. Don't trust in the what ifs. Don't trust in the if onlys. Don't trust in the well I should have's. Trust in God. Let him be the one. Have you ever been to a point where you um, got something really good in your life? Maybe, maybe you got a promotion at work or you got um, selected for something. You're going to be graduation valedictorian speaker or something really good was happening, but you feared what that would bring. It brought a natural sense of fright to you. That's kind of what we're talking about today. That's the fear that probably ran through Mary's veins as she saw this angel and he told her what her future was going to look like, what God's plans for her looked like, which were radically 100% different from what her plans were for herself. They were massively different. So fear of what God may be asking you to do. So here's the Luke chapter 1, verse 28, 26 through 29. God sent the angel Gabriel. By the way, we have several angels' names, right? Like Gabriel and Michael, uh, the archangel. You know, we, we know about a few of them. Gabriel seems to be sent uh, to, to, to give messages and to, to, to be announcer. He's the uh, trumpet blower. <laughs> He's the one who says, da-da-da-da, guess what God's got in store for you? So if you happen to see Gabriel, get yourself ready. <laughs> he might have a, uh, an announcement for you. you know? Michael seemed to be the one who showed up when it was uh, reckoning time, when it was uh, a war time, when there was some greater need that needed to be pressed. So God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. See, that's why I don't think it was about the appearance of the angel. Next phrase is going to be about fear, but I don't think it's the appearance of the angel. And she's confused and disturbed. The Bible says in, in the King James Version, she was greatly troubled. Not just minorly troubled, but extremely upset at what the angel could mean. Why is God appearing to me? Mary, in the middle of uh, planning her wedding, she's engaged, and back then they had long engagements, usually at least a year, sometimes two or three. Man was off building the house, getting the place ready, and the woman was learning how to be a proper wife, 
cooking and all the domestic things that were, that were taking place. And while this engagement is going on, you know, in our day and age, you know, we, we take some time to plan a, 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 a wedding. We do it through Pinterest and, <laughs> and all kinds of uh, bridal shower, bridal, bridal books, and, and we have all things mostly around the externals. What's it going to look like, right? She was in the middle of planning her wedding, getting ready for this marriage, this wedding. And uh, here's what I want to say. God interrupted her. Jot this down. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. That's partly what's going on here. An inconvenient interruptions. I got to put this one right with it. What we call interruptions, God calls invitations. He wants to invite you to the next step, to the next level, to his best part of the plan. He wants to invite you and he wants to interrupt your plans because he's got something even greater in mind. He's got something even greater in store for you. And he does it by, by invitation, and in this case, by announcement. You know, God's interruptions. Are you ready for God's interruptions? Are you open to God's interruptions? Will you receive God's plan and God's interruption for you? So we try to figure out what God means, and that's what Mary's doing. What could this angel mean? Now think about it for a minute. He says, you are highly favored. You are greatly favored, woman. The Lord is with you. Now that's a good thing. The Lord is with her. But she's probably wondering, what does that mean, highly favored? The word favor here is the same word we translate grace. Someone is graced. We think of unmerited Goodwill. We think of undeserved gifting. It says you're you're favored, you're graced, you are, um, you're blessed. You know. Sometimes God loves to interrupt us when we least expect it. It's fun around here watching somebody. They'll um, come someplace to worship for a variety of different reasons. They'll come to worship because they're looking for a spouse. They want to find somebody that has same values. And it's fun when they come looking for a spouse and they find the Lord, you know? You know, some people, they'll be um, signed up to serve and they're serving for a variety of reasons, but they end up serving and finding the blessing in the serving, not because I have to do it, everybody's expecting me to, my, my friend asked me to, but all of a sudden they have this passion growing in them. And it's like, I can't believe how much fun. Why didn't you ask me sooner to serve and get involved? And God interrupts, God invites to the next level. I know some people that have been called to uh, just help out for a week in the children's ministry. 16 years later, they're thanking God for that invite you know, thanking God so much that there was a ministry because God loves to interrupt our plans with, uh, could you just fill in for one Sunday? Could you, just, could you just help out here? Could you just do this? And God 
causes this uh, blessing to be bestowed on them. Greetings, you are highly favored, your favorite, favorite person. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, she tried to think of what the angel could mean. Now I want you to think about that, that word favored a little bit more because I'm thinking about this year. In uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus said that he was coming in the favored year of the Lord. Could 2020, as miserable in many ways as it's been, do you think God could actually look at and pronounce 2020 as a favored year? I, I see heads going both ways. You know, don't, don't shake your head unless, you know, you really want to. You know, do you think God could cause all this distress and pain and sorrow and even death that we've been through to somehow turn around to be a favored year of the Lord? There's a lot of people who want to use a lot of words about this year. Some of them are F words, you know. Exactly. Could it be that God could use this past year and all the distress to drive people more and more to think about what God's plan for them really includes, for where they're at? Could it be that we would thank God for 2020 instead of resist his plan and his overcoming? He says, favored woman. You're a favored one. And what she's going to go through is in many ways distressing. She's not just going to go through the birth of a child. She's going to go through ridicule from her neighbors and friends because she's pregnant outside of wedlock. She's going to go through distress of being chased down by the king trying to kill her baby and has to flee to Egypt. She's going to have to raise this child. And for some reason, we don't know why, Joseph dies early because during Jesus's earthly ministry at age 30, Joseph's not in the picture at all. She's going to go through family struggle where her kids are against Jesus. Her other children come to Jesus and say, why are you acting so weird? <laughs> that never happens in families today, does it? No, 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 no. And they actually say, you're, you're off, you're bonkers. You're, you've gone crazy. And they're, they're trying to stop him. Mary has to watch this. Mary has to stand at the foot of the cross and watch the life ebb out of her son. Oh, yeah, your favor. <laughs> Great. Now, think about it for a minute. The very things that we would resist, we would say, don't sign me up for that. God signed her up for that. God signed her up for that. Now, I'm not here today to elevate Mary to some uh, God stance. Uh, there's not Mariolatry here where she's in the place to worship her. But I do think we recognize the very thing the scripture's saying is that God is going to use the agony, the pain, the confusion of this interruption in her life in such an amazing way, it should be inspirational to all of us. And to say, God, if you can do that through her, just think what you're up to. Now, none of us will bear the Christ child. She did that. But the things God is calling to us would be like Jesus said, greater things have I in store for you 
than even I accomplished. The Lord is with you. You know, if you want to find any way, anything to pivot on, anything to um, drive into the ground, it's that phrase right there. The Lord is with you. When the Lord is with you, any interruption, any uh, invitation you receive in a different way because the Lord is with you. You have found favor. You have found grace, this unmerited favor. Here's what the angel says. This may not be on your paper. Jot this down if you would. Fear not. There's that phrase. Fear not, Mary. The angel of the Lord told her, for you have found favor with God. That's the truth. God and his favor are together. God's purposes often supersede ours. God's plans interrupt our plans. and God's purposes supersede what we have in mind. And I list the second one. It says, God's dreams are always greater than our dreams. God's dreams for us are always greater than our dreams for ourselves. What if we learn that lesson? What if we learn that lesson and let God show us? Here's God's purpose for Mary. You will conceive, you will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. You hear that phrase, for he will save his people from their sins. He will be very great. He will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine getting that kind of a message, that kind of a, uh, uh, an interruption? <laughs> You're going to be bearing this son of the most high God, the Messiah, the son of God, the savior of the world. D.L. Moody said, the world has yet to see what God will do with a person fully consecrated to him. Jesus would tell us, God's ways are not our ways. The Father's plans are different than our plans. How's it go? My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. Oh, go with God's thoughts. <laughs> go with God's plan. Go with God's purpose for your life. You may see, in fact, if somebody came up to you today and asked you, what's your purpose in life? How would you say it? What would you say? A lot of men go around their vocation. If you ask a guy, what's his purpose in life? 90% of the time, it'll be around what they're doing with their time, how they're engaged in life. Women almost always use relationships. What are you doing? What's your purpose? Well, I'm going to raise these kids. I'm going to help my mom. I'm going to do this. I'm friends. What if your purpose was stated like Mary's purpose. Here's what I'm doing for and with and in the Lord. What if your purpose was so directly tied? It's not, it's not abandoned from your vocation. It's definitely not abandoned from your relationships. But to see instead of those as the primary, see the Lord as the primary and those others through that. Does that make sense? That's what's happening to Mary. 
She had this plan, this vision, this purpose. My purpose on life is to marry this man. And, uh, you know, she's from Nazareth, from a little small town. She's a small town girl, an ordinary person. I just want to live my life out and be ordinary. Wait a minute. God's calling to something great. It supersedes my purpose. Oh, aren't you glad Mary grasped the idea and took on the purpose? You know, I know several people said, my purpose, I'm just going to raise a healthy family. And then uh, God interrupted. In one case, God interrupted with a Down syndrome child. Of course, the world said, get rid of it. You don't have to bear this. They said, no. And even though their purpose was a healthy family, normal family, quote unquote, they're looking back on a dozen, 20 years of raising a down. And they're going, this was the greatest gift God ever could have given me. Whoa, God interrupted their plans in a different way and God used them and God used a child in their life. How many times have you known someone who's lost a job? It's like the worst thing in the world, I lost a job. And then they've used that time, maybe that time on unemployment to start a business they always wanted to start. Later, they're looking back on it going, thank God, he had a purpose that superseded my purpose. And God ended up using the start of a new business in an amazing way. How many times have you met somebody that uh, a relationship ended, a marriage or an engagement or something ended, and it's like the worst thing in the world. And then God brings someone else in their life, and they go, oh, I am so glad God did what he did. He interrupted. He superseded. And the purpose, when it's seen through the Lord, it may look distressful. It may look disastrous. It may look harmful. And yet God turns it around to be amazing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let God have his perfect way, way with you so that your faith may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's provision often exceeds our perception. God's provision, how he provides for us, often exceeds what we see. See, Mary asked the question, <laughs> how can this happen? How can this happen? I haven't slept with anybody. I'm a virgin. Babies just don't get born to virgins. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You might be saying that to, about some things in your life. I, I, can't, I could never forgive that person. I just don't have it in me. You ever heard that from somebody? You ever said that? God may want to provide healing. And you say, no way. And what's God say? Way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you may be saying today, Pastor Bruce, why, why does the Bible want me to be generous? I can't afford to be generous. No way. What's God say? Way. <laughs> Try it. I know dozens of us that would testify 
that when you put God first in your finances, it is so much fun. It's so much fun. Some of you are just newly experiencing that kind of joy because God says, wait. He says, test me in this and I'll show you. You may be looking at a relationship that's been awry, that's been ripped apart. You're going, God could never reconcile this relationship. No way. What's God say? Way. I'll prove it true. I'll show you. I will provide and show you. My provision will exceed what you're even able to see or to think of. That, uh, that, that relationship's just too far gone. No way. But God says way. It is his plan. Brian, sometimes God says, heal that cancer. You know? We say, no, God can't do that. He says, yeah, way. It can happen. God can do that in our, in our lives. Um, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. He answers the question. She says, how can this happen? And he says, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Underline that. That's, our, that's the theme. Nothing is impossible with God. Or the counterpart of that, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience, trusting, is our responsibility as we put that um, first. So what's God calling you to, to do? I didn't have this plan before this morning, and I may be out of line, but Winona, would you come here a sec? <laughs> I happen to know a story that would be good for the body. Jacob, I got this mic. It would be good for the body to hear. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and it has to do with the Oxford house. Um, give, us a, give us a thumbnail sketch of how God kind of took uh, something you didn't have planned and interrupted yours and Daryl's life with a ministry. Um, so Daryl and I, uh, we, as most of you know, we own a small business. And the house across the field from ours was... Um, going up for foreclosure auction, and Daryl and I thought, well, if we're going to move our business out of our basement living area, wouldn't it be awesome to just move across the field, and we could just walk across the field to this house, and then we would be able to have our business in the house, and we could go back and forth, and we could see it, and we could not have to drive to it, and so in our wisdom, we thought this was a fantastic idea. So we went to our mortgage guy because at a foreclosure auction, you have to pay cash. And so we went and got our house refinanced and added that amount to our mortgage on our home because if we had to pay cash, we had to come up with money somehow. So we're like, okay, we'll remortgage the house and we'll have this money. So we had this money sitting in our bank account and the house came up for sale on the um, what do they call that when they are selling foreclosure? Auction. No, it wasn't the auction yet. Short closure sale. Short so sale. short sale. So short sale. So we made an offer. And somebody offered less than us, and they accepted their offer instead of ours. So we're like, okay, all right. 
God, no what problem. do you have in store? Okay, God, what do you have in store? This is happening in April. And in June, the house goes back up on the short list again. So we're like, okay. So we make another offer for the same amount. And we wait the amount of time and nothing happens. And we hear that we didn't get it again. And now it's actually going on to the auction block. And so we're like, okay. So at the auction block, we can go to the auction and we can buy it. Well, the auction happens to be on a weekend that Daryl and I are actually not going to be in town. So I go to a couple auctions. I think I'll go to a couple auctions before so I know what happens at these auction blocks. So we can get this house because this house is what we want, right? And so we go. And I get to the auction a couple weeks before we're actually the house we're going for. And we... I'm waiting, and I've never been to an auction at the courthouse. Have any of you been to an auction at a courthouse? This lady shows up. She looks like she just crawled out of bed. Uh, she comes down there. She reads a piece of paper and says, is anybody bidding on this? Prove that you can pay your money. Okay, da -da 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 -da. this house is being auctioned. How much are you going to bid? That's kind of how it is. And I'm like, I expected like somebody that looks like Ryan or <laughs> um, Rhonda, what's your husband's name? I'm so bad. Mark, Ryan or Mark to show up, somebody in a suit that looks professional. And so I'm like, okay. And this, this other guy sitting there looking like they do, all nice suit sitting on the counter. And I go talk to him and he's like, oh yeah, that house is going up for auction and we're in this investment group and, and we'll outbid you. <laughs> so you should probably join our investment group. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. You guys charge 3%. It sounds a little bit kind of fishy to me. No, we're not going to do that. So... But we're going out of town. And so I go to this meeting that he invites me to. And essentially, they tell me at this meeting that if I don't join their group, they'll outbid me just for the sake of outbidding out out me. And That's you have nice. to, which is kind of yeah. like strong arm. And so I'm like, okay, do we join this group? Do we not join this group? And we, Daryl and I, we were praying about it. We talked to my parents about it. My dad's like, honey, if you can pay $7,000 buy the house and get it for $15,000 less, why wouldn't you? So you should probably just join them. You're only buying one house. It's a one-time deal. Don't worry about it. Just just do it. Like, okay, we'll do it. So the day for the auction comes up and the house doesn't go for auction. They say, this house is canceled. They're in bankruptcy. So we're like, okay, we're not getting the house. Again, so this is like the third time. <laughs> Then it goes up for short sale again. And so we're like, what is going on? So we make another offer, same amount, and somebody else offers, and then we bumped up our offer, and then they bumped up their offer, and then we bumped up our offer. So we were up to $308,000, and Daryl and I basically said, this is where we're done. So we offered three hundred eight. They said, sorry, these other people offered more money. So we're taking their offer. We're like, okay, I guess we're not getting this house across this field. And we wait. And a month later, they call us and say, well, those people that were higher than you that bid you up have now don't have the cash to follow through on their offer. So the house is yours for $308,000. And Daryl and I are like, okay. But these people that bid us up from 240000 260000 are the same people that now can't pay for it. So 
I don't want to pay what they bid us up to. That doesn't seem fair. We should pay what our original offer was, right? Because they're the only ones that bid against us. So we're like, no, if we're making an offer, we're going back down to our $260,000 that was there. Sorry, we're not going to take it. And so now it's been four or five times that we've made offers on this house and been turned down. And it's like, God seems like really, closed door to me. <laughs> seems like God's kind of hitting us on the head. Like, this is not the plan we have for you. This house is not supposed to be yours. And so. Did you feel interrupted? <laughs> Your plan? My plan was very interrupted. <laughs> My plan. And I, any of you know me, I'm a bit of a control freak. So it was a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, uh, the auction was, so Daryl and I talked about it kind of on Wednesday and we're like, nope, we're done. If God wanted us to have this place, we would have it. And I'm like, yeah, but we've got $250,000 sitting in the bank that we have borrowed. (laughs) That you have borrowed. That we have borrowed, that we are paying interest on that. What are we going to do with this $250,000? And he says, well, why don't you go see what's on the auction block? He doesn't remember saying that. Oh, okay. So, so Daryl, she interrupted your plan. Yeah, okay. That'd be a really nice car. So I went on Thursday night, and I looked at the auction, and there was a seven-bedroom house in Tumwater. Seven-bedroom house. In Tumwater that was going up for auction. And Daryl and I have always felt a passion for Oxford House. Um, One of our employees lives in an Oxford House, if you don't know what an Oxford House is. It's a clean and silver living home that has like a 70% success rate of if you have an alcohol or drug problem, staying clean and sober. And that is huge. 70% chance that you're going to stay clean and sober if you Mm -hmm. live in a house like that. And we have many people in our lives. Um, My husband's really good friend from high school has got two siblings that have been through Oxford House. Um, We just know a lot of people. And so we're like, you know, if we got this house, we could have an Oxford House and offer a place for people that needed some blessing. And so we had this $250,000 in the house. The list was like two hundred and. 39 or 249 something like that so we went to the auction and I'm like the guy says to me so um what are you gonna do with this big house when it's got seven bedrooms and I'm like well we're gonna use it as an Oxford house you always have some more kids or a group home (laughs) or a group home because my sister-in-law lives in a group home so we're like we're gonna do something like that with this and he's like oh well that's kind of cool and I'm like okay so the auction comes and they put it off for a week and I'm like, okay, God, what are we supposed to do with this? Now we think this is your plan, and then you say it's not going to go for a week. Well, that gave Daryl a week to go and look at it because he hadn't even seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I kind of drove him in the driveway and looked at it on my way to the auction. And so we're like, okay, let's go look at it. So we went and looked at it and looked in all the windows, and it's on this big double lot in Tumwater on a dead-end street, and it used to be a drug house. And lots of people have it's been known for many years as a place to go and get high. And so we're kind of been destroyed. It's been destroyed just like any house that has a bunch of people getting high in it is. 
and so we decided that, yep, we were going to make this our goal again. We were going to do it if this is what God wanted us to do. So we go to the auction the next Friday. I go to the auction the next Friday. <laughs> I've got my money in my hand. I'm like cashed out at the bank. I got $250,000 worth of money orders to give this this guy. And, and um, I'm standing uh, in line and I'm talking to Jean. And Jean says, yeah, it's pretty interesting because we talked about the house last night at this meeting. They have a meeting every Thursday night. And I mentioned that we had a really strong investor who was going to turn this house into an Oxford house. And at the end of our meeting, this gentleman came up to me and said, I want to withdraw my bid on that house because if she's going to do that with it, I don't want to make her have to pay more. I won't (laughs) compete against her. So we go to the auction the next morning, and he's telling me this story, and I'm like, that's really cool, Eugene. And then this guy goes up to bid for the auction, and I don't know if you've ever seen Storage Wars on TV, and there's that guy named Dave, and he's the, yep, and raises the price. Well, this guy does that same thing at these auctions. And I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> this, is, this is in your hands. If we're supposed to have this house, we're going to get it for the price we can afford. And so... Another guy goes up and registers for the auction. So essentially, I know I've got two bidders besides mine. And the guy says, the lady with her sweatpants and ripped T-shirt says, da-da-da-da-da-da, these are the rules. Everybody's presenting their bids. We're auctioning this house. The first, the opening bid is 239000 and something dollars. And, and Eugene makes a bid. Well, he made it for $1,000 and one more than what her asking offer was. And she says, going once, going twice, and all of a sudden this man walks up to Jean and, and with a black jacket, and I kind of see it out of my corner eyes, and the two of them start whispering, and the lady stops the auction. I'm just like, oh, no. And, and the, Jean shakes his head, and then he, the other guy nods his head, and they do this little verbal conversation, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And then the guy stands off to the side of Eugene, and <clears throat> the lady says, going three times. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy's going to throw in a bid to mess everything up. Sold. So we bought this house for $1,001 more than what was asking, less than the $250,000 we had in the bank, got the keys, went to the house, and it was a beautiful, big seven-bedroom house with everything we could want in it, needed a ton of repairs, and (laughs) I called the lady at Oxford House, and she didn't answer, I called again, and they didn't answer, and I called again, and they didn't answer, and so I waited a week, and apparently she was on vacation, and they called back, and they said, yeah, we'd, we'd like to come and see the house. So this is November. So they come and see the house, and she's like, this house is amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And she's like, yeah, we want it. How much do you want? And so we told her what we wanted for rent, and she's like, yeah, we can do that. So then we have this house, and it has been destroyed on the inside. So I called my mom and dad, which many of you know are missionaries in the Philippines and live in Canada. I called my mom and dad, and my dad's always worked in construction. And I said, Dad, you want to come down and fix an Oxford house for a couple weeks? So my dad... You interrupted his life, too. I interrupted my dad's life. <laughs> and so my dad came down, and we spent last Christmas, the whole crazy season, fixing this house up so 10 men could move in 
and have clean and sober living. And yeah. <coughs> pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And, and I think one of the most amazing things is the day before they were supposed to move in on January 1st, they asked if they could come and tour the house. And one of the gentlemen came in. <coughs> Sorry, it's going to make me cry. And he walks through the house and he says, you know, I've been in this house before. I almost died of an overdose in that bathroom right there. And it is so amazing what you guys have done with this house. And I'm so excited to be clean and sober living in this house. <laughs> Lots of people's lives, and it's pretty amazing what God can do. That's right. Woo-hoo. That was a thumbnail sketch. <laughs> She'll give you the, the bigger sketch later. Uh, I, I knew that. You know, how often do you buy a house by mistake, you know, in a way? And, uh, and God used it in such a great way. But you, at the end, you know, how God wants to work is so different from how you might have planned. Don't be afraid of God's plans for you. You may not know them in detail, but could you just do what that, that verse says? Submit your plans. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will direct your paths. Of course, Mary said it this way. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, I submit myself to your plans. And let me just say today that every one of us need to have a merry response to the plans of the Lord. Trust in him with what he has in store for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you for the way that you interrupt our plans. You show us your purpose and you provide for us in such amazing and incredible ways. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for examples like Daryl and Winona and this ministry that you just put in their lap and caused them to see that they didn't even see before. Thank you for allowing the, the, the praise to go to you for that and, and, and ministry to take place. Lord, for all of us, we want to just submit ourselves to you. Not be fearful, but trusting. Would you take that phrase, Heavenly Father, to fear not and just drive it home today like never before. We surrender to you. We submit.